This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. 54 points, 12 rebounds uh, for Giannis, and it doesn't mean a damn thing. And similarly, I was trying to rack my brain, and I had to Google it, unfortunately, because I'm old. I forget exact details. But I remember Michael Red having a huge night. Uh, and leading, you know, in Bucks history, most points in the game with 57. I was like, I swore he lost that game. And I went and I looked, and sure enough, they did. They lost to the Jazz that night. I remember doing that post-game show. Red looked he like he was going to... You he remember that? Three at the end. Yeah, he would have had 60, and he missed a... Th- I don't remember the game live, but I've looked at... The- I've watched the game, and he missed a three where he would have had 60 to win the game, but... Yeah, he looked like he was going to cry uh, after the game. He was so depressed that they lost, and he had 57, and they figured out a way to still lose that basketball game i literally tweeted out when he got to i think it was 54 i was like oh boy this is gonna be a fun post game show tonight time on Giannis's big game and that was it after that i pretty much jinxed the hell out of it let's first talk about the positives okay no damian lillard and you still figured out a way to have the lead and have a chance to win this game after an absolute garbage First quarter in this one, uh, Nathan Marzian, your thoughts on what you saw in the first quarter? Yeah, I the first quarter was very uninspiring. It felt like they're going to get run out of the gym by this team. We've seen this before. You know, we saw the game last year against the Mavs that was like in the middle of the season where they got absolutely smoked. It's a younger team that just plays faster and has a high powered offense. And you're like, they're not going to be able to keep up. Their defense has been struggling. They don't have Dame to keep up. It just felt like, yeah, they're going to lose this game 145 to, to 115. Like, it just was like they're they're not going to keep up. To my surprise, they came back. They were in this game. They obviously had the lead for a while. Um, but, yeah, that first quarter was absolutely ugly. And I'm, you know, again, it's a positive that they were able to keep up with this team. They were able to get back in this game. And as bad as the four, you know, that last stretch was, um, you know, last three quarters of this game, they outscored the Pacers by 12. So they were they're down 14 at the end of one. I think they were down like 18 or something at one point in the first quarter, but crawled back pretty quickly. And then from there on out, you know, it was just kind of Giannis doing his thing and just absolutely dominating this game. Um, Pacers made 23s tonight, and that kind of ended up being the uh, the killer for them as they made a couple daggers down the stretch. And sucks that they lost this game, but I am at least happy that you know, because if you would if you would have told me this would be the outcome halfway through the first quarter, I wouldn't have been mad. It sucks the way it happened. It sucks after they had a lead and and kind of blew it at the end there. But midway through the first quarter, if you would have told me 
they're going to be right in this game down the stretch and they're going to lose by two. I'd be like, hey, that's I mean, no, that's no, no, it. no. But what if I would have told you Giannis is going to have 54 and 12 before it's all over and they're going to lose? Would you have been okay I would, with that? I would have believed based on the first six minutes, I would have definitely believed that. Yes, they, they were down 20 and it was like, yeah, they're not, you know, no matter what anyone does in this game, they're not winning this game. I would, you know, I would have believed you if you said Giannis is going to put up 50 in a loss. Yes, based on how that game was going. I, yeah, I just wasn't worried in the first quarter like everybody else was freaking out. People are calling Griffin a clown on Twitter and everything else. Everybody's yeah, that, all mad. And I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm going, guys, how many times have we seen a team get hot for a quarter or for a half? And then it's the exact opposite in the second half. They go stone cold and they lose the game. One quarter doesn't mean anything, especially when it's the first quarter. Now, again, if a team gets hot in the third and they can carry momentum in the fourth. Okay, that's a little bit different, right? But a first, a hot first quarter doesn't necessarily worry me when you have an experienced team like the Bucs that can fight their way back. Now, again, no Damian Lillard, right? So you 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 were without your flamethrower out there uh, tonight for the Bucs. But Giannis came up with a huge, huge performance in this one. Uh, okay, so that that's one positive. Giannis, that, that's, that, that's one positive. Uh, what other positives do you have from tonight's game outside of Giannis? Because I got I got some negatives, obviously, because that's what I do normally. Uh, but but Giannis is one positive. Uh, what other positives do you have, Marzian? Chris is a big positive, and yep, people well. are gonna, of course, people are going to focus on you know he missed the last three and blah blah blah. Yeah, and everyone, who cares? I, I know I'm already getting people. Oh yeah, Chris Milton's good, mocking me for that. Get out of here. He had 19 points in 20 minutes. And shot the ball well and was, you know, four assists. Like he looked very good. He's been very good. Very pleased with Chris. He had a nice second quarter to, again, kind of keep us in that game. Um, this was kind of before Giannis started going nuclear. Chris started going off. Um, so that was good to see. Malik Beasley down the stretch was really good again. That's kind of two games in a row where like he didn't do much for three quarters and then in the fourth kind of came alive. And, you know, he had some threes tonight at, in the fourth and then had a couple defensive plays as well. Um, and you know, I thought Marjan off the bench was good in, he didn't play much in the second half, which was a little bit frustrating, but, uh, in the first half he had some good minutes. Um, but yeah, those were kind of the three main ones to me outside of, outside of Giannis. Um, like the defense wasn't impressive, but I didn't expect it to be impressive at all in this game. Honestly, I expected them to, to give up 130 plus. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not overly disappointed by the defense and the fact that the Pacers shot 40% from three and, you know, still didn't get to 130 plus, which I know 130 is terrible, but I just would have thought if they shoot 40% from three, they're putting up, you know, they had, they were averaging 143 their last two games. Um, so that it wasn't a positive at all, the, the defense, but I thought it could have been definitely worse. And then, um, sorry, I just had a video playing on my thing, but and then, um, yeah, that that that's pretty much it. Offensively, it was largely just Giannis and Chris. Do we think that an NBA team in today's era, I'll hail any era, but before this current era, you weren't allowed to do this anyhow, so I guess that doesn't matter. Can you win an NBA title playing this much damn zone defense? I mean, is that a thing? Is Jim Beheim going to coach the Bucks by the end of the year because we're going to play that much zone defense? Beheim's going to come and, and coach the Bucks like it was Syracuse and just play zone 24-7. They play a lot of zone defense. And I think in large part, they play zone defense because they can't play any other way without getting torched. It's like a fail-safe for Adrian Griffin at this point of, well, we can't play the defense I want to play because we keep getting killed on it. So to hell with it. I'm just going to play it safe. And the other team shoots well, we're going to lose. 
Uh, and if they don't, uh, hopefully we have a better chance of winning because I'll tell you this much, Brooke Lopez out on the wing guarding Tyrese Halliburton one-on-one is stupid. I, I don't, you can tell me every which way, but loose how that makes good sense to you. And I'm not going to listen. That is dumb. He should never be out anywhere guarding a guard, but because of how this looks now, again, Giannis is on the floor. So Halliburton blows by him and then Giannis has to come over and try and help. And I get it. But to me, you're setting yourself up for failure here. If they can get in a position when they want to get Brooke Lopez out there, having to guard a guard that that's, that's not good for anybody. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, they haven't played like an absurd amount of zone. It's been much more than we're used to. And it's been way more like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're among the league leaders in zone in, in amount of zone they've played, but it's still, you know, they're playing zone on like 5% of their possessions. They had been coming into this game. I think this game, you know, again, this was a game I expected them to really just struggle to find answers for this offense. Um, you know, this early in the season when you're still gelling, it's like, I kind of figured they'd play more zone because it's like that that's been working for them a little bit. And I don't expect that a younger, quicker, you know, good shooting team is going to, you know, we're going to really be able to lock them down in man to man. So I'm not surprised at, at, at them going to the zone. Um, I don't think it's anything that they'll be completely relying on all season or like, I just think that it's something that if teams are really starting to to get hot on us and teams are really starting to just score at will on us. Yeah. It's something they can throw out there. It's something they can do for um, the closing minutes of a game or something they can do for, you know, a, a quarter or half a quarter or something like that, just to kind of get the other team to at least think about what they're doing. Cause it, you know, in that Pistons game, we saw the Pistons got so comfortable. Um, Sasser was getting so comfortable out there and just, they were doing whatever they wanted throwing the zone out there just at least makes them kind of second guess things. At least it gives them a different look that it's, they're not just comfortable getting into one-on-one and getting into isolation. It's like, okay, now you're in a zone. It just throws them off a little bit. And so I'm okay with it. And um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think they're, you know, four or five minutes away from us having a very different conversation because the defense, they only had allowed one, like 10 with, probably five minutes left in this game. And then again, down the stretch kind of collapsed there, but it wasn't terrible for basically the second, third and half of the fourth quarter. Well, that's good. We should judge about if it wasn't terrible.